Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? We're doing well? Praise the Lord. Love to hear that. Um, got your Bibles? Go to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Well, Christian brotherhood, Christian brotherhood is vital. Amen? Having fellowship with one another is vital. Fellowship is actually important. Uh, Christian friendship should not be something that we put on the back burner. Christian friendship should something, be something that is a primary thing that is in the life of a believer. This is why many, I, I believe many men and women burn out of church. We burn out on life because we're just, we're not communing, we're not fellowshipping with one another the way we should. God designed you and I for community. He designed us for fellowship. We've been designed by God to actually have community with one another. And don't let, let anyone tell you we don't need each other because we do. And I, I think it's very interesting that, that the world in which we're living in right now where we're seeing men and women not have fellowship with one another, not gathering together on a regular basis, we're seeing the, the, the abject uh, effects of that, the, the nasty effects of not gathering together. And, and so we live in a world that teaches where, especially men, like ladies, you guys have a really great ability to gather together and just get together. If you ever go to Branson, which I go often, you can, you'll notice that there are bus fulls of little white-haired ladies. They have no problem gathering together fellowship. Women just have an innate desire to want to get together and hang out. We as men, not as much. We just, we just don't. Leave me alone. Let me do my thing. But it, it, it can sometimes be to our own detriment. It can be to our own detriment that we, we don't gather together and fellowship together. And we, we live in a world that teaches that we don't, we're not supposed to do that. We don't need that. But the Bible, the Bible teaches us and shows us that we need to have community with one another. And we, we, we need to spur one another on. So Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 4 that this idea, he talks about some people here in this, this very last part of the chapter. He, he talks about a fellow minister. He talks about several fellow ministers in this last part of Colossians chapter 4. And, and when he sends these fellow ministers to the church, he sends them to encourage the community, to, to encourage the gathering together, and, and to, tell that there's, to tell that there needs to be a gospel-driven effort to take place inside of the church. In fact, the entire rest of this chapter is dedicated to the idea of Christian community and its importance. And I, and I think we forget sometimes that this text that we're about to read was a letter. It was a letter that was written by Paul to this church. So I just want us to see this last part. It's just the final greeting, the last little bit of this text. It says, Tychias, which I just, I mean, we just had a rough time in Sunday school with names. Like, I just, I mean, what mom? Hey, I'm going to name this one Tychias. But here we go. Tychias will tell you about my activities. This is in verse 7. We're in verse 7 of chapter 4. Tychias will tell you of all my activities he is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him is Onesius, our faithful and beloved brother, 
who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. And Archias, my fellow prisoner, greets you. So, as he says, my fellow prisoner, where is he writing this from? He's writing it from prison. This letter is being written from prison because he shared the gospel and they said, we don't like you doing that, so we're going to put you in jail. He says, okay, I'm still going to write letters to the church. He says, I'm still going to get... The word does not get stopped regardless. God will always find an avenue and a path for the word to get out. So never... The, the word is always faithful to get out. So here we talk about Achias, the faithful prisoner. He greets you, as well as Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, these are all, these are the only men of the, of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always, struggling on behalf of of you in his prayers. That you may stand mature and fully aware of all the will of God. And we'll stop there because we'll keep going here in just a minute. But I, I just want us to see this. This entire last part of the chapter is that is dedicated to the idea of community and, and, and faithful brothers coming alongside one another and praying for one another. And, and I think we forget that, like I said, these texts that we read in church, we open the Bible and say, hey, open your Bibles and let's read from this verse. This was a letter that was written to the church and they would open these letters with great expectation and they would open those letters and they would read them aloud to the congregation just like sometimes when we get a letter from someone, uh, whether it's a thank you letter or just a letter of letting us know how they are, we'll open them from this pulpit, from this area and say, listen, this is what's happening, thank you, and we'll read those out loud. This is the same idea. But I, could you guys imagine sitting in the early church, probably someone's house, because we'll see that here in a moment, that it probably was a house, it, it is. And, and could you imagine sitting in this early church, house church, hearing these words, the entire book of Colossians is a letter, and re having the, the conviction that is read from the word, having the encouragement that's read from that letter, that, is, that was divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, penned by Paul to the early church. The encouragement that it would have been to that church. I, even, if you're in, even as he's in prison, he's still a missionary. And I just, the, the goal is to see the gospel proclaimed. And the goal is to come alongside one another and, and to, to gather in places like this and to spur one another on to encouragement. In fact, Galatians chapter 6 gives us this admonishment. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him to a spirit of gladness or gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. James 5.16 tells us this as well, sort of an accountability, this idea of being accountable in a group. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous man availeth much or has great power in its working. And, and so when we're gathered together, when we have community, God's built us up and created us for community. And when we're gathered together, to have, we have this accountability. And that is so vital in the church. Because here's the thing, 
The church is made up of people, and people are sinful. Romans tells us that all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Just because you come, become a Christian doesn't mean you automatically, I'm now sinless. Like that doesn't happen. We still are human beings. We still are flawed. We still have moments where we'll stumble and fall. People who are, are in a gathering like this or in a fellowship, in a church fellowship, a part of a church fellowship, are far less likely to be involved in sin. Did you know that? If you're involved actively in a member, you have a membership in an actual biblical church, you're far less likely to be engaged in active sin. You just are. And if you do commit sin, you have, you have a path forward to find reconciliation and redemption. Like that's the beauty of, like this isn't a showboat for the saints. This isn't a time where we get up and say, hello, my baby, hello, my darling. I don't get, I, that's not, we're not a showboat for the saints. We're a hospital for the sinner. A little ragtime there. Like, you know, I, I sang it the other day. I think it was Noah. I can't remember who said it. They were like, what's a ragtime? It's a dance back in the 20s. I didn't, I wasn't there to see it, but I've seen clips. I don't know if anybody was here in the 20s. Sam? <laughs> I am going to get hurt by Sam after church. It's just like I'm just building up a... I love you, Sam. Does that count? Wow, okay, all right. Brothers and sisters can spur one another on. But we can spur one another on to find reconciliation and redemption. Like that's, that's the beautiful thing. If we're caught in sin, if, if a brother or sister is caught in sin, like what does the text tell us? If a brother is caught in sin, find a way to restore him. Figure out a way to get him restored. Get him to a spot where he can repent and find forgiveness in Christ. And, and when we're involved with one another, this is the path forward that we take. And, and we should often, listen. We should often gather together, not just here, but in each other's homes. Look at verse 15. Just scroll down there in verse 15. It says, Give my greetings to my brothers at Laodicea and to Nymphia and the church that's in her house. So this woman had a church in her house. They gathered and they worshiped there. Paul did the same exact thing. Paul had a house. Acts chapter 28 verse 30 tells us for two whole years, Paul stayed in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to him and boldly proclaimed the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. So that's Acts 28 verse 30. So we've got this beautiful picture where we've got these house churches where men and women gather together and worship and fellowship. Our homes can be and should be a place where the gospel is amplified to the community. Amen? Like, that's what our, our homes should be a place where the gospel is amplified. I, I remember when I was a kid growing up in Wyoming, I was born in Wyoming, and a small child in the 80s, my, my parents were church planners for the Southern Baptist Convention, and, and we were oftentimes at each other's homes. I remember even as a small kiddo, being around tables of men and women's homes, praying with one another, eating with one another, fellowshipping with one another, worshiping together as men and women together. Uh, there was a short season when my parents first got to Wright, Wyoming, there was no church building. There wasn't. They didn't have a building like this. 
My parents double wide, doubled as a, uh, see what I did there? My parents double wide, doubled as the church. So they would move everything out of the living room. They'd move the couches, all the rugs, they'd move everything out, and they would put chairs in, and they would line chairs, and the church grew. And like by the time we left, there was like almost 200 people in a town of like 2,000. So, I mean, it's two, 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 250 people in my parents' home. Like, it was like, they like, we've got to get this church built because we're busting at the seams. And so, I, I just remember the church was the center of our world when we were there. And I think that as we've gotten older and the world has gotten faster, it seems that we've really changed this mentality. The church is not really the, the center of our worlds. The gathering of the saints is not near as important as it once was. As things begin to progress, everyone is busy. Everyone, I mean, everybody, if I said, hey, how busy is everybody? People would be like, oh my goodness, I am so busy. I am, and I get that because our family's busy too. But I, I look at this and I think busyness is something that the enemy has put in front of us so we don't pay attention to what's going on around us. And, and I think that you're going to blink I think some of us in the room were so busy and we're going to blink and all of a sudden six years has gone by. All of a sudden 12 years has gone by. All of a sudden 50 years has gone by and we're like, how did that happen? Because the enemy wants to get us in a busy state. He doesn't want us to have time to, what's the scripture say? Be still and know that I am God. So what's the enemy say? Get busy and not pay, don't pay attention. The enemy wants you to be busy, and he, he has us so busy that we, we're, we don't, we're not busy doing the kingdom's work. We're busy doing our own work. We're advancing our own causes. And, and I, I just, and you realize you can't get your life back. One of the things that I, in, in meeting with older people, especially in their deathbeds, they just say, man, I, I wish I had more time. I can't get the time back that I... Man, there was so much time that I wasted complaining. There was so much time that I wasted about... I wasted on worry. There was so, many time, so much time that I wasted on drama that didn't need to be wasted. I wasted so much of my life being bitter and angry at this person. I wish I wasn't doing... I wish I couldn't, didn't do that. We, we waste so much of our time and so much of our lives on things that do not matter. And I'm telling you, you only get one life here. Don't waste it. Don't waste your life. We need to make the most of our time only because, like I said, we only have a limited amount of time. And some people, I think, busy themselves to the point that they're going to busy themselves right into the pits of hell. I don't say that with joy. I say that with a heavy heart. That the enemy is blinded so many folks. But have you noticed have you noticed that when we take time to engage and to gather and to fellowship and to worship and to do what Christ told us to do, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and just take time to know that I'm God, that life just goes better. Life just goes better when we're still before the Lord. That's because God created us that way. He created us for fellowship. He created us for uh, community. Look at verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, 
greets you always, struggling on behalf of his, in his prayers, struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully aware or assured in all the will of God. So you've got this person, Epaphras, like, this is what it looks like for a believer to struggle on the, on the behalf of another believer, to long to have fellowship, to see accountability, to see someone become more mature in their faith. This is what Epaphras was doing. He was a fellow, like, you don't ever, like, Epaphras, his name's mentioned once in here, that's one more than me. And, and so this, this guy has a desire to see men and women, brothers and sisters, become mature. Epaphras has this one goal, and he struggles in his prayer life to see, he wants to see the church, he wants to see the body of believers mature. He wants to see men and women come to know who Christ is and be mature in their faith. He has a desire to see everyone in the church be fully assured of all the will of God. This is echoed in, in, in the first part of Colossians. In Colossians 1, 28, Paul echoes this idea in Colossians 1. Listen to this. I, I, just, I think we need to see this because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen to this. Verse 28. Him we proclaim. Colossians 1, 28. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that you may present everyone mature in Christ. Like, this is, this is the desire. This is the hope, is that he would be maturing Christ. For this is why I toil. This is Paul saying, this is why I toil. This is why I do what I'm doing. I struggle on your behalf with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. So this is what we should be doing as a body of believers is that we struggle and we long for. And this is what I, as your pastor, I long to see the church mature. I long to see us grow in full assurance of who Christ is. This is the goal, to see men and women in the church mature in their faith in Christ Jesus. The goal is to see men and women who don't take this thing called Christianity lightly. The goal is to see men and women not fight over petty things, but rather be mature in their faith and be willing to deny themselves. Men and women who are mature and long to be with Christ, therefore they die to their self, they die to their own selfish interests, and they want to come alive to what Christ has for them. That's what's proclaimed in Matthew 16, 24. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, here's what you've got to do. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's the words of Jesus. That's what Paul longed for as well. He longed for men and women to be, that they would be mature in their faith. He longed it and he proclaimed it throughout the scriptures. You can read all through the Bible that he longed for men and women to be mature. I think of Hebrews chapter 5. He says this. You have been, some of you, this is what he says, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 13. You have been believers for so long that you ought to be teaching others by now. But instead, you need someone else to teach you again the basic things of God's word. You are like a baby who needs milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and does not know how to live and know what is right. 
He's telling folks here, some of you have been in church for so long, you should be teaching stuff. You should be doing something, but you're a baby. I didn't say that. Paul said that. I've been in church long enough that I have seen men and women leave churches because, well, I'm just not being fed. Well, grow up. Feed yourself. Like, I've heard people say, well, I'm just not being spiritual. Like, that is a, that's the mark of an immature Christian. If someone says, well, I'm just leaving this church because I'm not getting fed. Really? The goal, I, my, my goal is not to feed you. My goal is to shepherd you. You feed yourselves. Like, if this is all of Christ you get, you ain't getting very much. If this is all the Bible that you get during the week, you're not getting very much. And you're a baby, and you need to have, some, you need to have somebody tell you to grow up. So I'm going to let them tell you to grow up. Now, what, what's the text tell? I mean, like, he said, okay, well, that's not, I don't, that doesn't sound great. Like, that's what Paul tells people. Like, some of you guys have been in church for 30, 40, 50 years, and you're not teaching classes, you're not helping, you're not getting involved, you're just sitting like a bump on the log. You consume and leave, and your life is not transformed. That's a problem. What's the Bible say? You are like babies who need milk and cannot feed yourselves. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know what to do. Like it's one thing. When Noah and Austin were little, like we fed them. And we changed the diapers and we did those things. But if I look at Austin as a 16-year-old boy and I'm still like feeding him. A, come here, little buddy. Come here. Come here, Austin. But you said there's a problem. Some of us need to be engaged in reading the scriptures. Some of us should be teaching Sunday school classes. Some of us should be leading discipleship groups. Some of us should be doing something more than just coming and sitting. So I don't like that. I'm going to go somewhere else. Okay. Come on. Keep going. Keep sitting somewhere else then. I'm lovingly telling you some of you need to repent and you need to change your life. Period. And how does that happen? How does that happen, Caleb? By consistent fellowship, gathering together, studying God's word, and worshiping. Here's what I've come to know over being a church for 40-something years. People will either come under the authority of God's word and their lives will be transformed, or they'll get their feelings hurt and leave and continue sinning and think they're saved all the while they're really not. I've seen men and women leave church, go church hop, looking for people. Oh, I've got to, I've got to find this church here. I've got to, well, this, this got to go here. They've got this program. I've got to go through this. I've got to chase that. Stop chasing programs and start longing for the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life. That's what we need. We need consistent fellowship and the study and the worship of God. That's it. I've seen growth. I've seen growth in places where that happens. I've seen growth here. I know men and women here personally who are growing in their faith, who have a longing to be diligent about the about studying God's word. That like I love that like my Bible app that I have tells me when my friends, I have Bible friends, it's like social media. I love it when my my Bible app tells me when my friends are reading different plans and when they complete them and what they're doing. Like, I've seen some of you in this place consuming God's word 
just with an insatiable appetite. That is a sign that you're being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And that's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing if you are longing to see God work and move in your life. If, there, if there's stagnancy and there's no growth, that's a problem. That's a real problem. But I see men and women in this very place long to know about Christ, want to pursue him. And that's a sign of a mature church and a, and a mature Christian. And that's what Paul wrote. He said, now I just want to see you mature. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you struggling on your behalf. When he says he's struggling, like that means that there's somebody that's not doing it. And he's in his prayer closet saying, God, please work in sister so-and-so's life. Please work in brother so-and-so's life. He's struggling in his prayer life on behalf of you. And what does he long for? That you stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Like that's, that's what we should be doing as Christians is we should be longing for that. A person who is quick to repent of their sins rather than making excuses for them is a mature Christian. A person who makes excuses for their sin, well, just, just how, how I am. I'm just born this way. That's an excuse and it won't hold water with the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who's quick to pray and, and long for God to do something in, and in his life or her life, that's a, a, that's a sign of a mature believer. That's a sign of a mature believer. And that's the goal. Look at verse 17. Look, look, at, look at verse 17. And say to Epaphras, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. See that you fulfill your ministry that God's given you. God's given each and every one of you a ministry. And he said, no, 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 Caleb, that's your job. You're in the job of ministry. Absolutely not. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a ministry. And this is the goal, is that you fulfill the ministry that God has given you. You've got to find out what that is. And what, what's the ministry that God's given you? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that God's given you something. Find out what your ministry is and then fulfill it. Do what God's called you to do. Fulfill it. You've received this from the Holy Spirit. This guy in verse 17, he was more than likely, he was the son of Philemon. And he, was, he, he came with the same kind of message that Paul delivered to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says this, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering of, for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fulfill and carry out the ministry that God has given you. That God's given you. Work and fulfill the ministry that God's given you. The same message can be applied to your life. You have a ministry to fill, fulfill. You have a spot to do something. God's put you where you are for a very specific reason. How do, what's, the, what's the path for? And if you're, if you're not fulfilling the ministry that God's given you, if you're ignoring the promptings of the Holy Spirit, I would encourage us as a church to repent. Like, that's the beautiful thing is God's not done with you. Like, you can repent and you can move forward and you can fulfill what God's placed you here to do. 
So, I'm just a mom. That's one of the most amazing things in the entire world. We need more godly moms. Amen? Amen? Come on, folks. We need some godly moms. Well, I'm just a dad. We need some godly dads. Oh, we need some godly dads. We got some bums out there. We got some bones. We need some godly men who stand up and show what it looks like to follow Christ and to lead. We need some godly moms that are willing to pray for their kids. Then we need you. The church needs you. Don't say, I've heard people say, oh, they don't need me up there at the old church. Yes, we do. We need you. This place needs you. When you're not here, there's an empty space. Amen? There's an empty spot when you're not sitting there, when you're not engaged in your class. And I can promise you, talk to these ladies that are running Sunday school classes. I guarantee you not one of them is going to be like, how dare you try to take my Sunday school class. You know what they're probably going to do? Here. Please. I need help. Like, let's go all in. If we say we belong to Christ, let's fulfill the ministry and, and come together as a community, as a body. Like, my, I can't look, the hand can't look at me and say, you know what? I've got no more use for you. I'm out. How dumb would that be of my hand? Or my leg would be like, you know what? I don't have any use for you anymore. I'm out. That's the insanity that we live in in the church world. We're a body. The hand can't look at the other hand and say, I have no need for you. The hand can't look at the foot and say, I don't have a need for you anymore. We need each other. We're a vital, a body needs everything to work properly. We as a church need everyone to do things properly. And we're, the goal is to spread the mission of the gospel to our community. And what would, the, what would the enemy love to do more than anything else? Fracture this place and have people, I'm out, I'm leaving, I don't want to do it, I can't do it, bop, 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 bop. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. We need you. Amen? We, I need you. You say, well, you're the pastor. You don't need any of us. Oh, my goodness. I need you more than you know. I need your prayers. My family needs your prayers. I need your fellowship. God, I love you guys. I need you. I need you so bad. This is a message applies to you. You and I are to fulfill the place that we have in this community. We are the long, we have, we have a longing for people to help and to share the good news. This is where we need to be. This is what we need to be doing. We, we need to stop with the affiliation and we, need to meet, and we need to move directly into the activation of what God's got for us today. God's got something for you and I to do. And if it's just to be an encourager, my goodness, some of us need encouragement. Amen? To get a text message that said, listen, I'm praying for you. Hey, man, just want you to know, I care about you. Hey, sister, just want you to know, you're on my heart and my mind today. I'm praying for you. How many of y'all love getting messages like that? I do. It happens to me. I get those occasionally. And man, and God knows exactly when to put those messages in our lives. 
Like we're walking through some deep stuff and all of a sudden my phone will ding and it's just somebody from this place saying, hey, just want you to know I'm praying for you today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That was an encouragement to my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what we need each other for. God's created us for community. Don't ignore it. Embrace it. Jump right in and say, okay, let's, where can I get involved? What can I do? And if you've, if you've ignored that for years, if you've ignored that for, for an extended period of time, repent and come on back. We need you. We want you. You're, you're in with us. Now, let's, there's no, this isn't a rock star show, man. Let's put, our, let's put our shoulder to the wheel and push together. Together. You need me and I need you. Period. And so I'm longing for us as a, as a body of believers to stand here today Say, God, I, I, I'm in. I'm following. Anyway, you want to play for I, I just want us to. I just want us to go up and stand. Let's just sing that chorus of how great is our God together. Because I just that's that's all, what this is all about. Is that our God is fantastic. He is beautiful. He is mighty. And he is majestic. And man. The goal for us as his children is to sing this out as, to, as a community together that we lift up his name and that we sing how great, how great is he, Father. Let's sing that together. You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you and God bless.